that's my goal is to is to help other people to do their own thinking. You're listening to the Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to the Worship Review, the Christian podcast which evaluates the texts of music sung in the church and among the people of God. My name is Tyler. I am a linguist, and I'm joined, as usual, by Colin, who is a Hello, I'm fiddle Col- player. Hello, I'm Colin. In addition to interrupting people, uh, I do not play the fiddle, but sometimes wish that I could. Uh, I'm aspire- an aspiring fiddle player who has never really attempted to do it. I'm also a history professor at a research university in the Midwest. Tyler, is there anybody else with us today? Yes, there is. We are very uh, fortunate to be joined uh, once again for an interview episode by the uh, one and only Vince from the Berean Test. Hi, Vince. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me to join as a guest. Really appreciate that. Well, you are really the perfect guest for our show because your work is so similar to what we do on this show. So um, for listeners who aren't familiar with your website, uh, first of all, I would recommend that they get familiar soon because if you like this show, you will love Vince's website. But without speaking for him, Vince, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, I'd be happy to do that, Tyler. Um, As you said, my name is Vince Wright. I am the sole operator of a website called The Brand Test. The Brand Test is about critically examining Christian music and sometimes secular music as well by comparing lyrics to scripture to determine if they are biblical or not. This concept, of course, comes from Acts 1711, which talks about this group of people called the Bereans, described as more noble-minded because they didn't just believe Paul and the gospel that he preached. They examined the scriptures to see if Paul's message about Jesus was so. And that's what I do with song lyrics. I examine the scriptures to see if these lyrics are so. Mm. It's a great website. I will have to, I have to say, Vince, um, there are been several times actually not just in this interview now but where we've referred uh listeners to your website because even as we're like i know i'll prepare my material for the music or for the for the lyrics and then i'll usually go at the end of that and say i need to check and see what vince has had to say about this because he's you've always it's like you you must read a lot of scripture you must have it just ready and prepared because you're one of the real benefits I think your website brings is that it's just pregnant. Every time you review a song, it's there, there are 20, 30, 40 references to Scripture that help us as readers of your website get a sense as to what a song might be alluding to. And um, yeah, do you, you must... Uh, you're not a pastor, right, Vince, but you must spend a lot of time in God's Word. I do. Um, I've recently took something called the prayer course. It's by uh, um, I think a guy's name is Bill. And one of the things that he talked about is his concept called pray, um, which is pause so that our mind is focused. Re- the rejoicing part is to, is to either do a song, listen to it, or 
or read a psalm and, and have that be our prayer to God to rejoice towards him. Uh, and then the next part after that is to give our petition, to give us to give him our requests. And then the final part of that is to read God's word, not just for information, but to actually meditate and study on it. One of the things that I've done in preparation for my reviews is I put together a list of scripture by topic because a lot of the same topics keep showing up and over and over again, like salvation or um, just, you know, worshiping God. Um, There's also when we're all together as well, we'll talk more about the together later in the, um, in this podcast. Um, And, and then there's, there's also, the concept of us being children of God. And so I just have sets of scripture that I use for all the different topics that keep showing up and over and over again, which makes the review process take a lot less time. And that's also why you see a whole bunch of scripture on, on these reviews that I do, because I just, I have this list and I just use it frequently. Well, like Colin, I really like going to your website and seeing what you, what you have written there. But I, I have to stop myself from doing it until after I've done all my yeah, reviews. That's right. Otherwise, I could ju- I would just go on there and say, "What do I need? To- I don't need to say anything. I'm just going to read what Vince had to say about this song." But that, <laughs> just regurgitate it. Right. <laughs> but that really wouldn't yeah. wouldn't be honest. But Vince, this is a really interesting ministry that you've that you've started, and I will call it a ministry. Uh, what inspired you to begin doing that? That's a great question. I started the brand tests because I noticed that there was a substantial lack of resources that critically examined song lyrics. Now, I know that there's sites that talk about controversial songs like Corey Osby's Reckless Love, Hillsong's Oceans, and John McMillan's How He Loves. And so I did something about it. I started a website. That's excellent. And for listeners, that's the B-E-R-E-A-N test.com is that right right the brand test.com oh so t-h-e-b-e-r-e-a-n-t-e-s-t.com right uh vince how do you see your website serving the church because you mentioned a moment ago that there there was a lack of resources to critically examine texts um how does your website serve the church in that way i think the best way to answer this question is to draw from people who've sent me emails, comments, things like that, who've contacted me explaining how my website has benefited them. So I'd like to I'd like to give you three things that I've seen in the comments. The first thing is that I provided the song review index page that has every song that I've ever done. I've recently updated it where it has my recommendation for corporate worship, and I've also included an index to give an idea of how many reviews I've done in the past. Uh, the other thing that I've done with it is that I've color-coded it, where green is, it might have a couple issues or it's really awesome. Magenta is, it has some issues with it. It might possibly be salvageable. Um, and then red is just stay away from it. Don't touch this song at all what if you had i know this is a little bit of a a difficult question to answer off the top of your head but if you had to draw uh, a a diagram of all of the songs you've done would it be a bell curve where most of them are average or would it be 
um, a bell curve shifted to the right where most of them are above average or would most of them be bad, do you think? Um, well, I'd have to I'd do an actual sort, but my my feeling is that I is that there's most of them that are green. Uh, there's some in magenta and some in red. So so I think it's like a modified um, bell curve okay. shifting more towards the green. So that's that's actually interesting. So you're offering critical reviews of songs, but you're not g giving them negative reviews. I think a lot of people don't realize that there's a difference between being critical and being negative about something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just because I'm critical doesn't mean that um, that I might just say only positive things about a song because that's all I have to say about it. Um, so that brings me to the second thing that I've noticed from people who have emailed and contacted me. And that's great. It's, it's like what you had said earlier, um, Colin and Tyler, about how much scripture I provide. It's helped a lot of other people to see that these songs are rooted in God's word. There's other people, other podcasters who use my material in order to prepare for their podcasts. Uh, one of them is Joel Cherry and his Theology of Music. Another one is Michelle needs that in her more than a song podcast. Uh, they've contacted me, thanking me for providing material for them to help them with their research for their material. Uh, and then the third thing is that I've provided my criteria evaluation page, which has helped other people develop a rubric for examining their own or doing their own research on, on song lyrics. Um, I examined the song's message, its biblical accuracy, my thoughts on what an unbeliever's likely interpretation of the song is, and to the degree that God inherent, is inherently glorifying the lyrics. Now, yes, I understand that God can use any song to glorify himself, and that's a valid argument, but that doesn't mean that the lyrics themselves inherently glorify God. That's, that's, the, thing, that's the sort of thing that I want to look at. That's a really important distinction. So you're you're reaching out directly to people through your website. You're also um, uh, indirectly reaching people through influencing podcasters, but then also you're equipping people to uh, do this own work themselves. And I think that's that's really important. Uh, Vince, what are some of your favorite worship songs? I prefer the hymns because modern Christian music tends to be theologically shallow. Now, that's not to say that shallow lyrics are necessarily bad or won't earn favorable brand test reviews or that it shouldn't be sung in churches. There is a time and a place for those sorts of music. I'm thinking specifically about seeker-sensitive churches. So I'm not knocking songs that, that are theologically shallow. Um, but I prefer hymns like the like the Gettys and Christ Alone, Stuart Hines, How Great Thou Art. Uh, yeah, John Gooden's Amazing Grace. That's a great song, too. Uh, I also enjoy Christian heavy metal, though finding songs that I like that are theologically deep is very difficult to find. Can, just, I'm really curious. Can you give us oh. some recommendations for Christian <laughs> yes. heavy metal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so, so I, I would say... Two in particular, uh, some of the earlier stuff that Disciples done, uh, as well as well, there's one review I did of Wolves at the Gates, East to West. Uh, that was a that was a wonderful song. It talks about how our sins are like from the east to the west. Like Psalm, I think it was Psalm 103 that talked about that. And so they have this this whole theme around that um, 
God's God's sins are far from us, that that He carried them away, that um, that there's, uh, and it also even goes into the scripture that talks about I think it's in Hebrews about how everything else is rubbish compared to knowing God. So can we ask also, so those are songs that you like, and even I bet, I wonder how many people that uh, go onto your website know that you're interested in Christian heavy metal. So we've learned that about you too. What about uh, common problems or errors that you notice in Christian music that you've reviewed? Are there some common things that, I mean, you mentioned like superficial theology. Are there other things that, that stick out to you? Yeah, that's a good question. So I did, I did talk about questionable theology. Another issue that I see is unclear lyrics. Okay. Um, for example, in John McMillan's How He Loves, I could sing this at a Beatles conference or concert. Mm-hmm. So what is the audience going to think about when they hear his song? Are they think that mm-hmm. are they going to think that the Beatles are singing about Jesus? Probably not. Right. Now, yes, again, I understand. We could take a song like that, we could sing it in church, and it's about Jesus. I get that. Mm-hmm. But there are hundreds of thousands of Christian songs available. So why would we choose a song that's unclear? Yeah. <laughs> we agree, I would say. Yeah, that's and not just us. That's the common criticism of Christian music is, is some people even mock it by calling it Jesus or my boyfriend music. And that's right. The, Jesus, my boyfriend. I've talked about some of that in my reviews as well. I'm sure you've seen that. And there are so many songs, right, uh, Vince, that are they're not necessarily there's not necessarily error in the songs, but there's also not a lot of substance. And I think you're right. At that point, a pastor or a worship leader or whatever has to make a decision and say, well, look, I could use this song because there's nothing wrong with it, but why wouldn't I just use a better song, right? Yeah, which is which is why in some occasions what I've, well, not some occasions, but when songs are unclear, I've taken a little bit more of a generous approach and I've said, okay, in terms of his biblical accuracy, I want to take two points away. I'm going to assume that this is talking about God, and we're going to see what sure. scripture will support this. Just to, uh, and and this is really more for the people who they have that thinking. I can redeem this by singing this in church, and so I think this mm-hmm. is this is a good way for me to be able to speak to that person and say, okay, if you want to do it, here's the scripture that would support it, and then that that would be part of the review as well. Um, Mm-hmm. You asked me about other issues. There's a third thing that I like to talk about as well. And that is lyrics that set unrealistic expectations, particularly when it comes to prayer and miracles. You're probably uh, aware of the word of faith doctrine, which teaches that yep. our prayer is automatically causes God to perform miracles. For example, in Matthew day in Matthew West's day one, he talks about how this is day one of the best in my life. Now, what will people think about when they hear that? I'm thinking Joe Osteen's my best life now. 
This completely ignores scripture such as Romans 5, 3 through 5, Hebrews 12, 4 through 11, and James 1, 2 through 4, which talks about perseverance under trial. Jesus' teaching that we must carry our cross to follow him and counting the cost of following him are messages that are sometimes absent when addressing God's response to prayer. Now, I'd like to offer a different response that would counter this, and that would be casting crowns praise you in the storm. I'm sure both of you have heard this one. Mm-hmm. For those who haven't heard it, I'd like to read a couple of the, the lyrics, particularly the first verse and part of pre-chorus. So I'd like to start with verse one. Here's what it says. Check this out. I was sure by now that you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. Wonder how many of us can identify with that. Mm. But then he says, but once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. Now, how does Casting Crowns respond to this? In pre-chorus, at the end, the last three lines, it says, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. Mm. Hallelujah, amen. Mm. Now, once again, I believe that miracles can occur through the power of prayer. Not knocking that, not disagreeing with that. But sometimes God says no, and we have to learn to accept that. Sorry. Yeah. Did you, uh, one of the early songs that we reviewed was Raise a Hallelujah by Bethel Music. And we we certainly thought that song was kind of doing that as, as well. Did you... Did you uh, review that song? I, I'm I, maybe you don't remember off the top of your head. I but. did, and I I remember rating it high, um, and I know I I I haven't had a chance to listen to your podcast, so I'd have to see what your thoughts are uh, on that song. We kind of thought that they were almost implying that you could speak words, and that God would be kind of compelled to to just respond with what you wanted. I I think. The the line maybe that you're thinking, Colin, is I raise a hallelujah, I will watch the darkness flee. Is that what you're thinking? Mm. Uh, maybe, yeah. Where you're just kind of... Perf- whatever raising a hallelujah means, you're doing that and then causing all these, you know, grand spiritual effects. Yeah. And it seemed to be... I remember that song being... Seeming like it was about the things that we do rather than necessarily the things that God does. And I, you know, the power of prayer is one of these, th- you know, it's it's not about the power of what we say. It's the, the key in the power of prayer is about who we're praying to, right? It's that God God can do incredible things. He can, he can do miraculous things. And I think you're right, Vince, that there are songs which maybe emphasize our words, right? This kind of word of faith thing. And maybe de-emphasize what God does, which is, of course, a, a, a problem, right? I mean, if, if, if we're in a church we want to, and singing songs to God, we want to be singing about what He does and not taking the credit for right. it, right? And, and not just that, but also to explain why it is that He's awesome. Um, I'm thinking particularly of Anna Warner's Jesus Loves Me. Now, not a lot of people know that this particular song actually has four verses. It's not just one. So the second verse says, Jesus loves me. He who died heaven's gates to open wide. 
he will wash away my sin. Let the little children come in. This tells us that God is awesome because he washed away my sin, allowing me, his adopted child of God, to enter heaven's gate. That gives us the why. Vince, one thing that you do that's quite different from what we do is you also review kind of secular music. I remember reading your review of a song called Take Me to Church that was sort of Christian. It, it, it was clearly um, critical of Christianity, but it was not coming from a Christian perspective. Um, and that's not something we do. Do you find the same kinds of errors there, or is it a little bit different? Usually when I do secular music reviews, it does not turn out so well for the song. <laughs> and part of the issue is, and this is something I expect of people who are not Christians, is to take Bible verses out of context to try to have it mean something other than what its intended meaning is. So it's not just that song, Billy Eilish's, um, there was Billy Eilish song that I did. Um, uh, there was also the, uh, it's just a song called Hallelujah. You, you might recall Hallelujah. Oh yeah, Hallelujah. that's right. Yeah, yeah that, that song yeah, has classic. some issues as well. It's just the first verse is fine, <laughs> but then after that, it just they they really just ha don't have a good grasp of Israel's history and what what the text. But Leonard means. Cohen's voice is so beautiful. It it is now. What does that word mean in terms of? I mean, if we just sing that just by itself I and mean, that could that could really mean anything it does have a particular inherent meaning um but that doesn't mean that that inherent meaning is clear to people who sing it vince you've been doing this for four years what has changed about your perspective on christian music since then if if anything when I started the brand test, I was a deconstructionist who thought that much of modern Christian music was pure evil. But as I continued to review songs, I began to see that not all of it is bad. As my bell curve could attest to, most of it's green, have some magenta, do have some red, but most of it's green. So most of the songs are either biblically solid or contain at least one or two minor issues. So having reviewed over 500 songs, I began to appreciate a more balanced approach to examining song lyrics and not just talking about everything that a song gets wrong. I became a lot more generous with my words. Like I said, in section two, I now assume that it's talking about God. And then I look to see what scriptural support the song would have under that assumption. And so that's that's one way that I've become a lot more generous. So the other thing that I've done is I've offered suggestions to approve the lyrics theologically instead of just railing against it. That is very helpful. We've actually had feedback from people before where they've said, you guys need to offer either an alternative song to sing or suggestions other rather than simply uh you know casting it off and so i think that's that's really good can you just talk a little bit more about what you said in the very beginning because i find that really curious you said you started the the ministry that you're doing this website as a uh deconstructionist who thought that christian music was evil so can you explain a little bit what what that means to our listeners and to me and um uh 
yeah, can, can you just explain a little bit what that what that means? And are you still in that kind of space? Uh, that's a good question. So uh, I think the best way to do it is to start with the dictionary definition. So I'm looking at the free dictionary by Farlex right now for the word deconstructionist. And it says, quote, a philosophical movement in theory of literacy or literary criticism that questions traditional assumptions about certainty, identity, and truth. Asserts that words can only refer to other words and attempts to demonstrate how statements about any text subvert their own meanings. In other words, it's only about criticism. There's nothing positive about the song. There's nothing cheerful. There's nothing good about it. It's just bad. And that's all that I could say about it. That's that's that was my thinking in terms of most of modern, modern Christian music uh, is that there was nothing redeemable about it. And I've come to learn that I have been completely wrong on that assumption. Okay. With the, that kind of view, are you, were you or are you a part of a church which does sing kind of contemporary Christian music? And were you just kind of sitting there stewing in, yes. the, in your chair? Or, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how a lot of people uh, get started. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know about you, Vince, but that for me, when I first thought that something like this needed to happen. I was singing a song that I didn't feel good about singing in a church, and I thought, I could just go and talk to the worship leader, um, this musician up front, and tell him all my thoughts on this, but he probably wouldn't really care too much what I have to right. say, and it would be weird if I just kind of berated him about something I mean, like who's this. Tyler? Because it's a... Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah, and then you get a reputation for being a kind of troublemaker. Mm -hmm. uh, but... At the same time, somebody needs to say it. Somebody needs to do it. And there needs to be some place where it can happen. Oh. So uh, I'm really grateful for your ministry to do that. And uh, I hope our podcast helps some people um, send their worship leaders something. Well, thanks, Tyler. That really means a lot to me. No problem. Um, with With worship leaders in mind, with these musicians or worship pastors in mind, what advice or guidance or principles would you give to pastors or worship leaders about choosing songs for church services? I mentioned earlier that the entire idea behind the brand test comes from brands who didn't just take what Paul told them and ran with it. They did as what's prescribed in 2 Timothy 2.15, which it says that they studied to show themselves approved. Pastors and worship leaders shouldn't just take what I say or what Colin says or what Tyler says and just run with it. Instead, they should use resources like Brian Test, the Worship Review, More Than a Song, Theology of Music, and other sources as considerations to make a more informed decision about which songs that they should choose for corporate worship. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest compliment somebody could pay to our podcast would not be, "Oh, we heard what you said about that song. Um, we're just gonna we're just gonna take that." The bigger compliment would be, "We learned from your podcast how to think a bit more critically about the songs that we do." And it sounds like that's your view as well. That's my goal. Is to is yeah. to help other people to do their own thinking. It's good. It's like a, a mini a packaged liberal arts education. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can I ask Vince? Is there a you know having done this now for a few years? Is there a direction 
in particular you would like to see Christian music take? I mean, is there what what would you hope that the the future will look like for the songs that we sing in our churches? Yes, I, in fact, there's there's three things that I would offer. One is that I'd love to see a resurgence to theologically dense music. I talked earlier about how I enjoy music that is is just deep and, and rooted in God's word. And while I realize that my brand test reviews don't always favor unbelievers interpretation when it comes to theologically dense music, I get that. Uh, in fact, a lot of my favorite songs don't get a 10 out of 10 because of that. Mm-hmm. But Artists like the Getty, City of Light, and I've recently come in contact with an artist called KD Music. Uh, They all prove that it's possible to write songs that are thought-provoking and understandable to those who don't know Jesus. Mm. The second thing that I would say is instead of rewording or reimagining scripture, which sometimes comes out as unbiblical, Mm. why not just quote from it directly? I'm sure that at least some here are listening have heard of Matt Redman's song Better Is One Day, though maybe not understanding that he was the one who originally came out with the song. This comes directly from Psalm 84. And uh, if you permit me, I'd like to read a part of Psalm 84 mm-hmm. to get an idea of just how much of that song comes directly from the scriptures. Now I am going to read out of the new American, or excuse me, the new international version. I know that some people have some reservations about that version. I have reservations about that version, but this is the one that I think closely aligns with what the lyrics actually say. So here's a couple of verses. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And then down verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the house, in the tents of the wicked. Mm. Colin, Tyler, when I read this text, I can't help but hear Matt Remond's voice singing better as one day in my head. And sometimes I mm. find myself repeating the text a second or even a third time, not by reciting the text, but by actually singing the song. The third thing that I would love to see in song lyrics in future Christian songs is that I would love to see the name of Jesus. There's just something about that name that brings comfort and healing that personal pronouns like you and he can accomplish. Now, Not sure if you identify with this so well, but I connect with the Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit much better if I explicitly sing their names instead of using pronouns like you or he. Now, that's not to say that we can't have song lyrics that use pointers like God's attributes or his works or his personality. Um, mm-hmm. But for me personally, I connect with God much better if I w- use those explicit names. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah. And those are three very, very, very good things. Uh, theology, scripture, and specificity of names. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. Colin, do you have any questions? No, go ahead, Tyler, please. I, I, so uh, I wondered for your first point about theological um, density of music, that it seems to have been declining. It's been more diluted over time. I wondered if this was reflecting a bigger trend in evangelical Christianity over the past century or so. Um, to to I mean, such that denominations used to actually mean something pretty significant about what an individual churchgoer believed, but now it's it's not always the case. Someone um, like the difference between an Anglican and a Presbyterian to the average christian is kind of a meaningless distinction they maybe know that these big words have something to say about church government or something like that but not about practical daily life and about belief structures mm. so i wonder if what we're seeing in the music is actually indicative of a bigger cultural trend uh, do you think that is true to a degree yes i think what's happened is Back in the day, the people who typically wrote Christian music were priests, they were monks, they were people who led worship in churches. So these were people who they knew the word of God inside and out. These weren't just regular people. These were not laymen who were writing this music. These these were uh, these were seasoned professionals in, in lyrics. And you had people like that who were light, writing these wonderful hymns that, that we've been singing, these timeless truths. Um, that have been around for hundreds of years. So I think what's happened is that we've shifted from the monks and the priests to more like lay people, people who mm. may or may not have taken the time to delve deep into God's word. Um, there could very well be people who are jumping on the Christian bandwagon just to make money. Mm -hmm. uh, there, I, I don't, I don't know if that's, I'm sure it it's there's it's probably happening in some respects. I don't know. I can't prove it, but I suspect that that's part of it as well. You just have people who they write lyrics that sound Christian just to just to make money or or maybe even to draw somebody towards some sort of theological system or or maybe even a church. Mm -hmm. To uh, in order to be some sort of draw, I'm thinking about Hillsong and Bethel and and Bethel, um, Jesus yeah. Culture, uh, Elevation Worship. When I mm -hmm. when I make that point, mm -hmm. so there's there's that as well. I, I think those are the biggest trends that I see going on in Christian music today. Hmm. Yeah, and of course, if you if you think about it, the the end goal of appealing to a large number of people among Christianity, um, a large number of Christians is opposed to the idea of bundling thick theology in with your song because the more theologies in there the the more fragmented the the different churches are going to be right you can't you can't put a bunch of reformed doctrine in a methodist hymn book and have them sing it right and so yeah. the more you the more you talk about theology in these songs the less they're going to appeal to a broad audience um and so I think that may be why, if your goal is to sell a million records, you have to cut out anything that any person could object to and keep it vague. Yeah, um, and I I get that. 
Christian music is a business, just like any other business. They're there to try to make money. And I get that. Um, that's, I agree with you. That is part of the reason why we're, we're seeing this trend as well. It's they're, they're there to appeal to the, the, the largest audience that they could. And, and that is the, the nominal Christian. I know this is going to be very self-serving, but in the Christian rock, hard rock, heavy metal realm, um, the sort of thing that I just said earlier about how lyrics should be much deeper. Um, I would love to see that in this arena as well. Um, in the rap industry, Christian rap industry, we are seeing an explosion of theologically dense lyrics. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Lecrae, but yeah, you should check out some of his stuff. It's so deep. It's amazing. It's it's almost like he's preaching when he when he um, when he performs on stage. So I think that other industries can learn a lot from Christian rap and hip hop. And of course, hip hop allows for a lot more lyrical content. Yeah. Well, you uh, have to, and in order to be able to do rap, because basically you're speaking at about two to three times the number of words that somebody singing a song would do. And so it's, it's actually a lot easier for somebody like Lecrae to in all this theology become um, because because of that do you have any questions for us vince as we sort of wind down here about our show or about uh, what we're doing i have one question what is it that caused the two of you to decide that you're going to do this podcast <laughs> well uh I think for, for me, it started with, uh, as I mentioned before, singing something that I didn't feel good about and not really being sure where to put all that energy. Because I thought it was a valuable thought, but I didn't, you know, I didn't want to flood my pastor's inbox with a bunch of um, comments. What about you, Colin? Yeah, for me, so I led worship. I started out leading worship when I was too young, 16 maybe or something, in a, in a Calvary Chapel church. And I... I've led worship in I've, I've been a member of maybe five churches in my life and I've led worship in four out of those five churches and ran the music and that sort of thing. And so I often had a lot of uh, a say and these were all churches where, yeah, I, like they weren't part of some bigger church. Like we had uh, Stephen from uh, Ravel, from the Ravel podcast on and he was talking about how he got frustrated because mm -hmm. he had some, he was a worship leader, but he couldn't do anything about the music that he was singing because he was part of like a bigger church. Well, in my case, I was always able to do something about the music. But then once I started going to a church uh, where that wasn't the case anymore, where I wasn't um, leading worship and kind of, kind of retired from that, I wanted to find some way of still contributing to discussions about what we sing in churches, theology. I just did, I didn't feel like my only uh, role was just to lead music. And that once I wasn't doing that, somehow all this other knowledge and process and all of that should just go away. So, you know, f this r podcast enables me to continue to contribute, I guess. You needed an outlet. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yep. I think so. And, and I think I did too. But, um, yeah. And if I'm being honest, that I, I think that was the, another reason why I had started this because I, I needed an outlet too. I had these thoughts swirling in my head and I didn't know how to. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that point. I mean, Vince, is it the case for you? That, I mean, so like for me, I don't even care. I mean, I do, I guess, a little bit care if people listen to the podcast in the sense that I want it to be helpful. But ultimately, in the end, I'm just happy to have these conversations with Tyler and then the guests that we have on the show. I just find it personally edifying. Mm -hmm. Is that the case with you? Like, say nobody was really reading the Brian test. Would you still find it useful for yourself to be doing this? I think I would. And compliments are not the only sort of comments that I get. Sometimes people will have constructive criticism to say about my reviews, which is great mm -hmm. because then it gives me a chance to reflect and sometimes mm -hmm. even update my reviews. So it's, it's not, yeah. none of my reviews are set in stone. Uh, I always open the door for, and I think that's what sets my website apart from other review sites. I've noticed a lot mm -hmm. of people, they'll put a review out and then people will comment on it. And then the, the person who did the review, they won't consider changing it, mm -hmm. which I, I always I thought was, was a sign of pride. And I didn't want to be that person. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have, I wanted to be a person of humility. I wanted to be able to take what someone says, think about it, pray about it, talk with other people about it. And then to be able to make a change to, to make an update mm -hmm. on, on my reviews. And I, I think it's made it a much, much better website by doing that. I, I am certain that it has and the, having that kind of humility is important colin do you remember i don't remember which song it was but it was during i think one of the christmas series it may have been joy to the world um where one it may have been isaac watts in joy to the world it may have been one of the newtons i don't remember but um someone wrote in a manuscript this song has been perfected and no oh, additions or right. removals are permitted from yes. this manuscript. Yes. It was a, <laughs> it was struck a, me as hubristic. <laughs> yeah, it was a song that uh Crowder redid. Because okay. remember they were they were in an interview and Crowder they just like laughed at that. But then we talked about how well but it's not like that original author had the Yeah, that's arrogant to say that your song, you know, your song has totally arrived. You figured it out. And I would just add to what Vince has said. I do encourage folks not only to check out his reviews, but look at the comment section because you can actually see that process happening in the comments. Like there will be somebody. So like the web, the Brian test is not just about Vince's comments. You can, there are people that comment on the, on his reviews that offer pretty, uh, you know, like they'll give 500 words, 1,000 words, 1,500 word response. And then you see Vince, he always uh, he always will will answer. And sometimes he'll change his review. Sometimes he won't. Sometimes he'll say, well, no, I don't think that's valid because of this. But but if he deems it valid, he'll, he'll update his review. Just like he said, that definitely happens. So folks should, should, folks should really just dig into that website. Yes. And uh, for clarity's sake, it, we did... Oh, four thousand tongues by David Crowder slash okay. Charles Wesley. That was so the one. I don't. I didn't mean to uh, malign Isaac Watts. Um, yeah. I'm sure he'll forgive Vince, you. Where can people? Oh, I'm sure he will. Yeah, when we meet, I'm sure he will. Vince, where can people get a hold of you? That's a good question. Um, on my website, there is a contact me page where you can fill out a form, and then it'll go to my email address. Um, I post my reviews on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, on Facebook, it's 
the brand test and Twitter. I think it's at Tasty Wallet. Tasty yeah, wallet. Tasty Wallet. Okay. I was hungry and I stared at my wallet when I came up with that name. That's great. It's a perfect. <laughs> it's a really clever name. A lot tasty of people wallet. like it. Could be a good band name too. Yeah, it would like a kind of jam band or something yeah. like that. Listeners, check out t h e b e r e a n t e s t dot com, dot com. You can see all of Vince's five hundred plus reviews, five hundred and sixty four. He's closing it on six hundred now. Um, and, uh, follow him on Twitter and on Facebook if you have those things. And thank you so much for listening. Next week, we will take a look at a song with Vince called Together by For King and Country. So tune in for that next week. Thank Thanks, you. Vince. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at Anchor FM slash The Worship Review and Patreon.com slash The Worship Review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.